Welcome to the Modern Girl Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Parsons. I'm a certified holistic health coach, intuitive eating specialist, and health at every size advocate. Cozy up with me each week for empowering conversations with ambitious women as we share real stories around our relationships with food, body, and moving through life in the modern world. Hi. Welcome back. Um, I'm really grateful to be with you. And this actually took me a while to get the courage to record this intro um, because I'm just, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable this week. I, I feel like there's a lot going on right now. I don't feel like it. There is a lot going on right now in the world. Um, and I just don't really know what to say. And I also want to be mindful of my place with everything. And I want to be respectful of, of other people's thoughts and feelings. And I also want to take the time to educate myself enough so that I can form an opinion for the business that I run and the the influence that I have in this world, whether it's in my own community, in the women that I work with through coaching, in my relationships. Um, I I'm really I'm really just checking in with myself a lot this week. And I also I'm just gonna be honest, I've I've really been struggling with perfection. Uh, at the time that I'm recording this, it's like right in the middle of all of the protesting going on and just education that's being put on social media and everything around um, Black Lives Matters. And I, I just feel insecure and I feel like I just don't know enough and I feel scared about saying the wrong thing, um, not saying anything and not knowing what to say and um, and also just when to say it and all of that being said. I, I don't know if you can relate to that at all, but I'm just giving myself some time to pause um, knowing that my intention is to courageously take action and speak up and feel a little bit more secure with what I, what I want to share and how I want to hold space um, through all of this. And I just want to send you some love as well too, wherever you're listening to this, because this, this is a time that we can also really come together and support each other and learn from each other, share things that we're learning, educate and truly create change in our culture, in our society. And if you have anything that's coming up, if you've read anything or watched anything or anything has resonated with you, please, I would love to hear. So please just send me a private message on Instagram. Um, I would love to, to hear where you are learning and what you are learning in this particular time. Uh, and thanks so much for just holding some space for me 
with this introduction. I'm really glad that the guest that we have on today is is who she is because I think that this conversation is going to land so well. Um, Emily Pagani is a wonderful, intuitive, holistic healer. She's also a spiritual teacher and wellness consultant whose passion is to bridge the gap and remove the fear and stigma from spirituality, personal development, and personal empowerment. This conversation could not come at a more appropriate time. She's just such a light herself and so uh, so well-rounded in how she has formed her own beliefs, how she has healed her relationship with her body, how she's just made peace with the person that she is today and the empowerment that she has around who she is and just all of the love that she pours into this world. Um, and it's a really, really powerful story, her relationship with her body and her journey with her body and her relationship with food and just all of these different dynamics and variables um, that we get into as well as the work that she does today is something that I think you're really going to resonate with. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Emily. I hope you enjoy and I hope that you stay well. All right, Em, uh, let's jump in. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for, for joining us and just being willing to share all about your story. I'm excited for everyone to get to know you and the first question that I ask everybody who comes on this show is if you could just take us back to that first body awareness moment that you had. So the first time that you realized, hey, I'm in a body and this kind of means something in the society that I live in right now in some way, shape or form. Yeah, for sure. And thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Um, so, you know, I feel like right out of the womb, I was completely disconnected from my body for so long. And even from life itself, and I never really understood what that meant, because I didn't know anything about energetics or um, anything that wasn't shallow level. And so after years of struggling with quite a few chronic illnesses um, and conditions, I I realized something needed to shift and I really had to sit and kind of reformulate a deeper connection with my body to accept I might be this, this, um, this form of energy, but I am having a human experience. And what does having a body mean to me? And what is it in me that isn't fully allowing me to trust my body? And to accept that I have a body and through, through rediscovering that relationship and that connection with my physical body, it showed me how I am supposed to step up into a leadership role and teach other people how to formulate that same connection, that same loving, unconditional trust and relationship to, to their bodies and what that means for them. So... When you talk about your physical body and 
that moment that you realize like, Hey, I, the physical body that I'm in is, is kind of being judged in the society that I live in, in some way, whether that's from friends or media or outside sources or family or some capacity. Did you ever go through that at all? Actually, I really didn't. I never really, actually just kidding. I did. (laughs) I did. I thought I didn't for a second. Yes. So I've always been on the slimmer side. I, my arms and legs have always been slim and slender, slender. And from the age of nine, um, I went to a sleepaway camp for any East coasters. They may Mm. be familiar with the idea Mm -hmm. of sleepaway camp and it was all girls. And I started when I was nine and I remember we had just finished lunch or something and I had to run to the restroom and my counselor, one of my counselors who she's probably in her twenties made a remark to me. I don't remember what it was, but she assumed I had an eating disorder Mm. and that was a judgment I actually lived with for quite a long time from my peers, from teachers thinking I was sick or something was wrong with me because I was slim or because I had to use the restroom after a meal and it led to you know a couple of friends at the time speaking behind my back teachers calling me out in front of the class and that was very painful and very embarrassing for me wow yeah i can i i can relate to that on a personal level um i actually was manipulating my body to be a smaller size and so there was actually validation behind that but just that mm. constant feedback of what are you doing going to the bathroom and you know just those remarks that can feel so incredibly cruel at the time it's crippling it's like you don't know how to process that information when you're from the age of nine you don't know what that means you don't know much about anorexia bulimia things like that so how were you processing it Well, I didn't at the time, you know, thankfully my mom was such a grounding presence for me and still is. And she really taught me how to um, not let it get under my skin, just mm-hmm. to say, you know, thank you for sharing and be on my way. But at the same time, that also kind of led me to suppress mm-hmm. how I truly felt about it and not speak up the way I should have. And so through my own energetic practice and mastering my emotional intelligence, I was able to revisit those points in my life where I felt that pain, truly allowed myself to finally feel it and release those emotions through crying, through, you know, punching a pillow and forgiving, Mm -hmm. forgiving because self-awareness is really about looking at everybody the way you should see yourself, that we're all human beings, we're all doing the best we can. Most of us, when we're wounded or we're in a place of fear, we project that onto other people unconsciously. Mm-hmm. So it's really about, I re- through my own journey of you know, self-awareness and self-empowerment, personal empowerment, I really, I gave myself and my inner child that healing that she was craving all those years. So I, I totally get that that's the work that you do now. How long, or when did you start 
discovering that that type of work, that type of healing was even available to you. And before you even discovered that, how were you coping with, how were you processing? How were you coping with those emotions? Kind of a compound oh, question, yeah. but. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I, I have, I have the answers. Um, <laughs> for a really long time, I just stuck in a place of victim consciousness. Mm. And I was someone who wanted to receive love so badly, but I didn't have that love for myself. So I was continuing to attract circumstances and people that who could not show me that love, who could not show me that self-acceptance. And it just led to like this wall over my heart of, you know, why does this keep happening to me? It's their fault projecting my own pain and hurt that it's, it's always someone else's fault. I didn't know how to take responsibility for myself and how to heal myself. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I was in my late 20s where I first began learning about and discovering personal development, energy work, energy healing, manifestation, um, just taking personal responsibility itself and and learning how to become self-aware. So that's a long time. I mean, yeah. it's a lot, it's a good chunk of your life, just the heaviness of suppressing those emotions. I'm curious, I kind of want to peel back the layers a little bit around this, if it's okay with you. So yeah. do you feel like there was something specific that you were feeling any type of discomfort around in your life? Like, if it wasn't body, and I know that, that that was an element of it, was it friendships or a, a romantic relationship or intelligence? Was there something in your life that you just felt like you weren't measuring up to in terms of worthiness or was just a struggle for you? Does that make sense? Yeah, it was definitely my social life. Mm. I off the bat, when I was five years old, I had major surgery on my eye. And so I had to start kindergarten a couple weeks late. And I'm this little girl with a patch over her eye and big glasses. And kids don't understand that. And thankfully, I had one friend come over to me immediately and made me feel welcome. But I think that was the start of a lot of many, many years where a lot of people, including my own family, would just keep telling me, you know, you're too sensitive. You're too sensitive. They really weren't acknowledging the pain that I was experiencing and I was feeling. And I, I was bullied a lot throughout school. I really did not, I didn't know how to properly speak up for myself or establish healthy boundaries. And I, I let, I let people in too much. I think, you know, I think it's important that we always give people the benefit of the doubt, but I was so vulnerable mm -hmm. and just so yearning and accepted that I wasn't mindful about who I was opening up to and letting in. And, you know, there were the girls growing up, like the cool girls, the popular girls that you want to befriend they were the girls I was trying so hard to befriend were like the most to me but I kept trying because I thought it was it ha I was the problem mm. wow 
so it was always it was always really social and thankfully at this point in my life now I did the work so deep that I have the friendships in my life now that I prayed for and it's mm-hmm. the most beautiful thing but it, it taught me a lot everything that I went through yeah taught me a lot what a powerful story I thank you so much for sharing that and I think that that is so relevant to so many of the things that we struggle with as women. And, you know, this is why I appreciate hearing stories like this and everybody's journey with their body, because it looks different for everyone. But at the same, at the same time, we're all so connected. So for you, it sounds like being in a place where you were feeling socially isolated in a way because of your eye surgery, being held back from, from school. Um, and then having that manifest into other comments around your body and not being good enough because you, you were on the thinner side and, um, kind of people writing a story for you, it sounds like, rather than you just being able to fully express yourself, would you say? Yeah, for sure. And it's, I do want to mention this because this is what I find, and I'm sure you do too, a lot of people struggling with women in particular, um, putting on extra weight in their abdominal region. My arms and legs were always so thin, but I always had a bit of a belly Mm -hmm. and, you know, the, the things got so out of control for me that I start when I started developing chronic illnesses too, I would just berate my body mm. as well. And, you know, when we struggle with extra weight, especially around our hips and our tummies, that is symbolizing a form of protection. And so that's where I would carry all my extra weight. And I would have to look at what am I still trying to protect myself from? How can I protect myself in a way that's healthy and I will not you know giving my power away to all these other people and circumstances that I actually can control Mm -hmm. yeah I I totally agree what if you're open to sharing this can you tell us a little bit about the chronic illnesses that you were experiencing during that time what did that look like absolutely Um, so my, I feel like, I don't even know, I don't even think I got a diagnosis. I think it was just IBS. My stomach was just mm, so off every which way. And I found, I'm, I'm a Jewish woman, and I found that a lot of, um, a lot of people in our culture and religion tend to carry that from our ancestors. Mm. You know, all seem to struggle with some stomach issues which is interesting. And then my senior year of high school, yeah. My husband is Jewish and I'm very familiar with that. So yes. Very (laughs) Yes. Um, But you know, we're clearing it. We're doing the work to to shift it. Um, But the most serious and long lasting illness I struggled from in my senior year of high school, I was diagnosed with a bladder condition and I was diagnosed with so many things from something called interstitial cystitis to 
saying that was a misdiagnosis. It was one of those like mystery illnesses that doctors can't seem to get to the root to. Those are and, always so much fun. Oh my God. <laughs> I think I saw every specialist in the country. Oh, I was on so much medication. I had so many, I've been poked and prodded in ways that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. Mm. But this was the condition that was the catalyst to my healing work and to who I am now and all the self-awareness that I've stepped into. And so basically I have to pee all the time. And I hit the peak of it my junior year of college. So when all my friends were looking into going abroad, as was I, I couldn't because my health was so bad. Wow. You can imagine my 21st birthday was not, not ideal. Um, but I remember the first intuitive healing session I had, the first person I turned to outside of Western medicine who guided me through an exercise to get to the root of, you know, what's going on here. And I just heard, I'm this is helping me see things that no one else can mm. and to see the bigger picture and the deeper pictures. And I, I won't lie. I've, I've healed most of what's been going on in my life. I've healed most of the emotional traumas that I was carrying. I healed myself from crippling anxiety and depression. I healed my stomach issues through my work, but this bladder issue is the one thing that still remains. Mm. It's the deepest I've had it the longest. And it taught me so much about myself and, and the world. And it has provided me the clarity and insight to do so. Is this the, is this the same condition that you were speaking about at the beginning of our conversation where people would comment because you went to the restroom after you ate and just because you had to relieve yourself? Like, was it that yes bad and at no. that point too? So the first time it wasn't, I just, that was just a run in the mill, like, oh. You just had to go to the bathroom. Had to go. Yeah. Run, yeah. And then when it got bad in high school, then it turned into like, I was having to go more. Wow. Like we would go out to dinner for a friend's birthday and there'd be a couple of us. And there was one, there was one girl in particular who I was kind of friends with, who was just constantly whispering about me. Mm. And thankfully I had good enough friends to have my back Yeah, and, and stand up for me. But yeah. it's tough. It's yeah, it tough. is tough. Let's talk about friendships um, because it just seems so relevant for this conversation because girls can be pretty freaking vicious. <sighs> and it yeah. sounds like you've kind of been dragged through the mud a lot just in terms of feeling like you don't fit in and people giving comments and feedback about you in different ways. And tell me a little bit about how you actually navigated friendships when you were growing up? Did you have a close circle of friends that you could always kind of lean back on? Do you feel like you were kind of more of a loner trying to find your place? What did the dynamics of your your girlfriends or just friendships in general look like when you were growing up? Yeah. Um, it, it was a couple of different things. I would, I would say I was primarily a loner. Mm -hmm. um, Do you have any siblings? It, 
I do. I have, I have two older siblings. I'm the youngest child and I got a lot of love at home, Mm -hmm. which is great. And my siblings were very hands-on with me too. Mm -hmm. Um, and kind of, they also still left. There's an eight and 11 year age difference. So I was left to my own devices, but you know, growing up was interesting because I was very close with the kids in my neighborhood and I felt safe and had a lot of fun there. And I've always felt comfortable alone too. Mm. I've always felt really comfortable being left to my own devices. And I went to a very small school. So I think there were 300 people in the whole school. And I did have my, like a, a few friends who were my like ride or dies. Mm-hmm. But overall, I think I let people talk down to me yeah when I would get in fights with friends um I I had no backbone mm-hmm. and I felt that I was always the one needing to apologize first even when it wasn't my fault mm-hmm. I was I was the characteristic people pleaser mm-hmm. and that that followed me all the way through stepping into the wellness space and into my career I was still looking at the the influencers and the people with the numbers of like how can I fit in even when some people weren't that nice to me mm-hmm. I, I really had to use kind of fall back on these memories and look at well what didn't I do then that I'm still not doing now or what do I need to do to kind of shift to to be authentic and to allow myself to just connect with like-minded people, not who I think I should follow because that was it too. Most of my life, especially through my childhood and teenage years, I kind of ignored the people who really wanted to be my friend. And I was, I was, I was a jerk to them. I'm not going to sugarcoat. Like that was really that was kind of awful of me mm. to look at, well, they can't do anything for me. They're not cool enough. And trying to, like I said, befriend the people who I thought I needed to be friends with for whatever reason. Yeah. So I like how you said you're ride or die. Like you had that small group of quality yeah. friends where did they fit in on the social spectrum? And are these, were these girls, were they, were they guys and girls? Were, were they friends that you met like in elementary school that lasted up until now? Like what's the, what's the relationship kind of look like? Yeah. So it wasn't really guys. Um, I never really had a lot of guy friends, but I never really got attention from guys. But I had one friend in particular. She was my first friend in this life. Unfortunately, we haven't seen or spoken to each other in years. We really fell apart a while back. No, it's it's good. It's good. (laughs) It's fine. But um, she was she was like my family, and um, we rode the bus together. She lived five minutes away, so I was always at her house. Mm But she, she was the one that got all the attention. Mm. She, everywhere she went, 
everyone wanted to be her friends. And when I stood next to her, I didn't exist. But she was also like, I wasn't friends with her for that reason. I was friends with her because she was the first human being I ever knew since I was a baby. Mm-hmm. And we just had such a beautiful friendship for so long. But it hurt so badly that I just had this like shield of invisibility up when I was with her and we were around other people. Mm-hmm. And then I, yeah. I have some other friends like since since childhood who are still thankfully in my life now and I've had the people who we've just naturally lost touch because Mm -hmm. for whatever reason yeah I think that's such an interesting conversation um the idea of phases of friendships and friends that serve you at different points in your life and how did you how did you um cope with that like did you ever have any type of emotional struggle with knowing that you have to let go of a friendship or just how do you I feel like this is something we don't talk about a lot but we all have those friends where we feel like we're just holding on by a thread like we have to maintain that friendship but we've kind of outgrown the friendship and then it becomes awkward because then it's like well do we actually have a conversation about this and break up like respectably or do we just kind of let it die and kind of move into our lives awkwardly how how do you navigate all of that yeah so that's the one thing that helped this I'm trying to figure out the way to word this what changed my entire life and my perspective on things was learning how every relationship we experience is a mirror of us. Mm. They're reflecting. Yeah. This, this is what it all comes down to because this is what's going to just move and change and help everyone so much. Everything that we like and everything that we don't like is reflecting something in us. And so for, there were a couple friends, thankfully only a very few, who the conversation was always about them. Mm-hmm. They never asked how I was. I was like their dumping ground. Mm. And it was exhausting. And there's one friend in particular, I just wouldn't speak up. I was afraid of her. I was afraid to speak up for myself. And then the one time I very lovingly suggested that she might think positively about the situation, she lost it on me. And that was the end of our friendship. But it, that was a friendship I was holding on way past its prime. Yeah. I didn't even want to be friends with them anymore. Mm-hmm. I felt like I owed her something. But then I've also had friends who, as someone who has experienced ghosting mm-hmm. in a lot of situations, which a lot of us do in the dating world with friendships, I ask myself, you know, by speaking up, what do I have to lose? What am I actually afraid of? And sometimes that does point back to abandonment wounds from childhood that we need to stay with and do some healing about, which is 
why we're attracting this certain situation. Yeah. Another story for another time. But there were about three friends last year, actually, who, you know, it, it, there were good friendships, but they were starting to become one-sided. Mm. And it was real, like my body would convulse. I would shake so much because I was so afraid to speak up for myself, but I did it anyway, which saved our friendship. And I'm actually closer with these people more than ever now. And they're more conscious of, of you know, getting back to me and being mindful of their own time too. Yeah. But I always like to, and this is really important. I'll remember whenever we do need to speak up for ourselves, even when our voice shakes, we need to do it from a place of respect and with the intention of having an open dialogue or we're not projecting our pain and our wounds and our anger onto them, you know, to express how we feel, to take responsibility for how we feel, not telling someone you made me feel this way, mm-hmm. but allowing them to, allowing them the space to share what's going on on their end, which is normally not what we expect. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for, thank you for sharing all of that. And that's just such a powerful reminder as females and female friendships and just women in this world to be respectful of yourselves first and your authenticity and your voice in this world. And also how you choose to give and receive that in the relationships that you're in. Because I actually just wrote something about this earlier today. I think, I don't think that we ask enough. Do you have the time for me to share this with you? Like, can I, can I just vent for like two minutes? And that builds resentment. Like if we're constantly in these friendships where A, we're too afraid to speak up or B, we're, t- we're speaking up so often that it's causing this roadblock in between the friendship. That's so, that's so difficult. Yeah. And I want this too, because a lot of people also struggle with communicating with their families. Oh yeah. And they're like, they think their family isn't going to accept them or listen to them. And you know, I had to do the same thing with my siblings, actually. Um, you know, they're, as I said, I'm the youngest. And of course, my siblings are going to look at me as their baby sister. But I have a voice. And there was something I, I wanted to just express. And I I was so afraid for so long. I bawled my eyes out when I wrote them an email one night and I still did it from a place of love and respect and open that safe space while releasing the expectation of how they're going to react which is key that's also yes it's key responsibility it's not a responsibility and that can cause so much weight like emotional and mental weight yeah and you need to accept that not everyone is gonna be where you are in that mm-hmm. given moment, and if you need to walk away for a minute, you gotta do that for all parties involved like there are there are people now like going back to the friendship thing, there are people now that I've tried so hard to have and maintain a friendship with where it's just one sided and i mm-hmm. I ask myself, well, what do I actually want 
from this? What do I, what am I trying to gain? Mm -hmm. And from that place, either give it to myself or open that space up for someone else to fill it Yeah, and give that person space. Like don't attack someone to be their friend if they're just not feeling it. For sure. Yeah. Just letting go and trusting in friendships, in you know, career, so many areas of life. It's like when you get to a place where you can do that and constantly check in with yourself to do that. Cause it takes time. It takes practice. I constantly have to like give myself that little nudge and reminder, but it does just create so much space and release in your life. Um, I really appreciate you saying all of that. And you also mentioned something when we were starting to talk about this, which I think is so relevant to our conversation around bodies, the fact that we really are a reflection in the relationships that we have. And I would love your take on this because I, I talk about this a lot with the clients that I work with and just women in this community about um, body, body image and body judgment and just walking into a room and feeling like you're being judged or being the person who's judging. And at the end of the day, that's an insecurity, you know, that's either your insecurity or theirs. That's not really the reality of the situation. Can you speak into any of that at all? Yeah. I mean, I actually just had a conversation about this with a friend the other night that anyone who feels the need to mock or um, make fun of someone, judge, it's because they are they're unhealed somewhere in their own life. Mm -hmm. There's something about themselves that they haven't accepted or they're not comfortable with. And it's all going to depend on what that person has gone through. So, you know, I can't speak to the collective reasoning. I can only give suggestions, but um, a lot of times because our subconscious is formed when we're so young, we are holding, it's, you know, it really boils back to our caretakers, our parents, our grandparents, and what they believe to be true, their fears and insecurities. And we take them on, we project them, but I lost my thought for a second. Um, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think when we're the ones who feel like we're about to be judged somewhere mm-hmm. or going into something, we, ask, we have to ask ourselves, and this is what it all keeps coming down to, it's self-awareness yes. and ask ourselves to, to acknowledge how we're feeling, to look at, to observe the feeling from a neutral space, to kind of yes. step out of it for a second, and then ask ourselves why do we feel this way instead of just accepting that as is mm-hmm. because our emotions are merely just information. Mm-hmm. They want to, they want to help us heal. They want to help us move something. They want to help us step into our powers. Be like, Hey, I have control over this. I can choose how I want to feel. But going back to, well, if I believe I'm going to be judged someplace, why do I believe that to be true? Mm-hmm. So Normally you won't find something. And if you do, not actually going to be yours. Right. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's a really powerful exercise. Yeah. And I don't think that 
again, like we don't talk about that nearly enough in this culture, just giving, continuing to remind everyone that that is, that is something to be aware of, you know, all the judgments that you're feeling, all the judgments that you, that you think that you're either giving or receiving, it's just another way to get information about the emotions that you're feeling. And it's just another reminder to give yourself some space to process those emotions. Yeah. For deep reflection. I also want to add, this is coming up really strongly. Um, we make assumptions that things are going to be what we leave them to be. Like, again, if we're about to walk into a situation with a specific group of people, if we assume we're going to be judged, that's what we're going to experience. Mm-hmm. If you believe that so true, you will receive exactly what you believe. Mm-hmm. You know, the universe doesn't discriminate what you want or what you don't want. It's what the belief is in your subconscious. And, um, you know, I've helped friends and I've helped clients deal with those assumptions and look at, well, what are you assuming? Why do you believe that to be true? And are you actually getting to know these people or this specific person? Because you have no idea what they think. You have no idea what they're going to say. And just because you have this thought, like, what are you trying to protect yourself from? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I totally, I love that we're having this conversation. Um, I, I would love to segue this into something that you mentioned before, because I think that it's incredibly relevant and timely for where we are in this talk. And that's how you stepped into the work that you're doing now and just finding yourself in the wellness industry, the online space, feeling that kind of like new school, new school girl feeling of judgment and insecurity and, and everything. So kind of walk me through that journey of showing up in this new territory. Did you even have the tools back then to navigate and how are you kind of processing everything at that point? Yeah. So that is, that is a super long story. So I'm going to just, yeah, the bundle it, bundle it, the important (laughs) points. Yeah. The cliff notes. So my whole life, people told me I was intuitive and I was like, what? Like I'm imaginative, but but I was like, no. Um, And it's funny. I had a Reiki session when I was younger too. I was like, this is nothing. (laughs) And then the ladder was really bad and I really felt that Western medicine at that time failed me because mm-hmm. we need Western medicine too sure. in balance with the alternative. Absolutely. Um, so that's when I was really opening myself and I've always been interested in esoteric foundations and witchy things in particular and things that were like otherworldly. I was always always drawn to that since I was a kid like I there was something in my soul that it just felt like that that resonates but um I, I think I was in my I was in my mid to late 20s and at that time I knew enough that if someone talks about something if a couple people talk about something the same thing in a short period of time pay attention mm. and at that time it was Reiki and I started doing some research with an open mind that it was a modality to learn how to heal yourself. What harm could that do? You know? So that's, that's what started everything for me. 
And around that time, I had my healer and my mentor at the time. I was connected to her through a mutual friend. She was moving out to California from New Jersey, where I'm also from. And she was not only my friend, she, like I said, she was my healer. She taught me a lot of what I know now. And she became my family out here. And it was very synchronistic. And then after my second Reiki attunement, my psychic abilities, my spiritual gifts just flew wide open. And I had to learn very quickly how to protect my energy, mm-hmm. how to learn how to clear my energy, which I can, which I teach people now very easily and in a very short period of time. So they can do this on a daily basis. And I was learning to channel and I was just being led to different healers and different teachers who could help me with what I was experiencing at the time. And things started coming to a standstill until actually 2016, a a blossoming relationship just kind of imploded Mm. and led me to hit complete rock bottom. It was one of my darkest nights of the soul, but it was the catalyst to this whole new journey to self-love and self-discovery and self-worth. And from that point until now, I, I don't even recognize the person that I was. And I noticed transitioning this into a business because I realized like I didn't go through this for no reason Mm -hmm. I need to help other people um my belief started to become already was the market's oversaturated and I know a lot of us in the online space and and in the wellness space or freelancing can can resonate with that and I realized, because before I was doing this, I was a makeup artist for most of my professional life. I had the same thought. And so I that's forgot what I about that. <laughs> I knew that about you and I forgot. I love that part yeah. of your story. Yeah. Yeah. I was in the entertainment industry and I was doing makeup and what you believe you'll receive. And so I felt inundated with all these people around me getting jobs over me, getting paid over me. And um, highlighting these limiting beliefs of where do I feel not enough, where I feel unworthy. And then it was the same stuff, just a new industry. And so I was still looking at who are the cool girls here that mm-hmm. I'm trying to fit in, fit in with. I'm like, are they actually nice people? No, they weren't nice to me. They weren't inclusive. They weren't giving me the time of day. I also believed that, um, first of all, I needed to offer free sessions because I didn't think anyone anyone would pay me. Mm-hmm. But um, I also looked at why am I putting people continually on a pedestal? Mm. And I find that now when we're in a vulnerable space where where we want to heal. Oh, sorry, am I still here? Um, when we're in a vulnerable space where we want to heal, whether that's our bodies emotionally, and we feel inundated with books, with healers, with coaches, we have to use discernment 
Mm. to and take people off the pedestal stop looking at the numbers stop looking at how quote-unquote popular people are and really tune into what feels true for me mm-hmm. who do I really feel can really help me with this who has helped themselves through this yeah not not who has the biggest following and I think that's what's tripping us up and we're not healing and we're not making leeway so how it well first of all thank you for sharing that and I also love life is just so awesome how everything comes full circle because this is totally a reflection of things that you were going through in childhood which is just so interesting um and just so powerful when we can start to make those connections in our lives so how do you navigate that now how do you actually protect your your mental space your emotional well-being, your personal space, being an online healer, and how do you choose to show up in a way that feels authentic and engaged without feeling that comparison set in, or just like you kind of have to keep up all the time? Do you have boundaries that you set for yourself, or do you have any kind of practices that you follow to really um, build in that self-care piece around your business and the and the online space? Yeah. Um... The first thing I would say to anyone, it's your self-love work comes first because once you start doing that healing and that navigating, it's going to help you. That's your biggest asset in your toolbox. And a spiritual teacher that I'm currently working with taught me before you do anything for someone else, Go take five minutes and fill up your own cup. Mm. Make sure you are doing something for you first, whether that's having a glass of water before getting on a phone call or getting a workout in or just doing something for yourself mm-hmm. because you have to be able to pour from your full cup. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to, because I, my biggest presence is social media and it's Instagram, and by the way, I'm, I still have to do the mindset work. Mm-hmm. I still have to, you know, make sure my energy is in check before I step up to be of service. I show up only when I'm guided, mm-hmm. when I feel inspired. Mm-hmm. I have stopped the mindless scrolling. Mm-hmm. I have muted people who I might not necessarily want to and the connection, but if I need a break from something or if I'm feeling triggered, yeah, I will not only mute them, but I will do what is necessary to look at why am I being triggered by this person. Which is and that's really so important, important to remember. Yes, so important. Yeah. yeah. Um, because a lot of us when we feel overwhelmed or we feel angry or someone pisses us off, we're like, okay, that's fine, I'll go do something else. No, use that. That mm-hmm. is your medicine right there. That's that's showing you, well, how can I um how can I do the work on this now? Why mm-hmm. why am I being triggered now in this moment? And I my routine changes every day because I work from home and I don't honestly I've never liked following rules and routines since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I am quite the rule breaker. So (laughs) no, I don't wake up and meditate first thing in the morning every day or sleep Mm -hmm. with my phone on airplane mode. I do these things 
when I want to do them and mm-hmm. when I feel called and inspired to do them. But I, the, the biggest gift I've given myself was learning how to become self-aware. And if someone does trigger me or if I have to have a difficult conversation, I look at the why first and I get comfortable getting uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to comparison, we have to remember that every single one of us has a story. Mm -hmm. We're all human beings. We have no idea. We look at someone's picture or account and assume we know their whole life story. No one's sharing that. People are sharing the five to 10% of what their 97th photo that they've taken with a professional photographer. No, like, and also nobody should be sharing that either because (laughs) that is so disempowering and you have to set those boundaries for yourself as well too with how much information you're willing to share about your personal life so yeah I mean it was it was a practice for me to come on video for a while and now I show up with my hair in a bun no makeup and pajamas most of the time because that's who I am Mm -hmm. and it's like it's not about what I look like it's about the message coming through that I need to share with the collective or even for the one person yeah that's watching it's we also have to and this is a practice for me too. speak as if you're speaking to one person Mm -hmm. but also that the whole world is listening yeah you know it's we don't know who we're reaching because a lot of people, and I always love this meme, a lot of people are watching you and following you that were pretending not to see you. Mm-hmm. And maybe one day they'll reach out and thank you or you'll affect something in their life. But mm-hmm. we can't keep going the way we're going for the reward. Yeah. Well, I love that you just gave that that tip, Emily, because I think that's so valuable just in everyday life because there's plenty of, of women who listen to this podcast who are not influencers, who are who don't have an online business, who have no reason to show up and talk to the camera. But you can absolutely take this into your everyday life too. And if you live your life trying to be everything to everyone, it's going to deplete you so fast. If you live your life from a place of authenticity and truth and intention where you're speaking more directly, you know, or just doing work that's more directed rather than just projected to a a wider audience, you're going to feel much more in alignment with, uh, with yourself and your cup is going to stay full for a longer period of time too. And so it really does just ripple into so many areas of our our life. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, we, we have to get comfortable with people not liking us. Yeah. And that's the thing. Well, that goes back to the reflection piece that we talked about. Yeah. Yeah. The more, the more comfortable we are, the more comfortable I've gotten in my own voice, I've gotten louder and I've mm-hmm. triggered people. People have defriended me. People have real, like in real life defriended me. I have pissed off family members, but it's like, I'm not disrespecting them. I'm sharing my truth and I'm doing it from a place of power and passion. And if 
we're not responsible for other people's reactions or perceptions. We need to let them have that. Mm -hmm. And if someone doesn't like it, and first of all, if they want to project it onto you, you've got to formulate a healthy boundary and a clear boundary with them while also letting them have what they need to go through. Mm -hmm. But allowing yourself to have that discussion with them of like, okay, why don't you agree with me? And let's talk about this. Mm -hmm. Like not everyone is going to like us and we have to be okay. Especially when we like us, when we like ourselves and love ourselves, Mm -hmm. we're not even phased by the people that don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just another part of the process in healing that people pleasing syndrome. Yeah. I always say I'm a recovering people pleaser. And I think it's so important to just check in and yeah. notice when that's coming up because it's a journey, you know, it, that's same. Yeah. It's something I constantly have to, and I actually attract a lot of clients who are people pleasers, recovering people pleasers. And so we're all in this yeah. together. There's so many, yeah. I mean, it's, it's rare to find a woman who doesn't fall into that in some little way, you know, it's just, we've been through it as women on so many levels. Men too. Men too. Yeah, I like that you just said that. I totally agree. I think that there are lots of guys who are people pleasers and they don't have that conversation nearly as much as females do. So they don't. And it's, I think sometimes in some cases it's worse for them because they have to to deal with this whole issue of what's masculine, what comes off as weak. And that a lot of times comes back to and roots back to their their dads and yeah their grandfathers and their society and I am when I first started this work I had more male clients than female and it was beautiful mm. it was beautiful to see men doing this work yeah it's it's so important for for all of us you know we're all in this together yeah. so exactly well I just appreciate you so much for being a part of this and just speaking your truth and just your authenticity before I, I let you go, because I do want to be respectful of your time. I would love to ask you a few fun questions to just lighten the mood. And yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> is that cool? Hey. All yeah. right, let's do it. So this is our girl talk section, which you've kind of already touched on this first question um tell us a little bit about your morning routine or your lack of morning routine (laughs) (laughs) coffee coffee almost every day um I have to really be in the mood for tea but and coffee is like a little ritual for me and sometimes if I'm feeling it I'll put on some music and jam out and do a little dance party sporadic while I'm making my coffee do you put anything in your coffee I do. I'm big with oat milk and coconut sugar. Mm. I recommend coconut sugar as the healthiest form of sugar. I wonder if you agree with that. I love coconut sugar. Yeah. I love it. It tastes delicious Um, too. Yeah. I'll do, I'll make a cafe au lait. Oh, wow. Cinnamon. Yeah. Oh, I love cinnamon and coffee because it not only tastes great, great for the metabolism. Great for your blood sugar for sure. Yeah. It's yes. so great. I'm a big fan. And and then um, I've become more mindful here, but because I'm a big TV person, I'll catch up on my anything from my DVR that I didn't watch the night before. Um, I love But that. now I've kind of had to shift it into a little bit of a reward. I'll, I'll tune in. You know what? I'm going to say this. I tune in in the morning after I make my coffee 
I ask myself what I need, uh-huh. what's being asked of me. Mm-hmm. If that's a post, if it's a share, I'll do that. If it's a blog post, if it's turning on my TV, if it's meditation, if it's cleaning, it's mm-hmm. what, where am I today? Yeah. Where am I in this moment? Love it. Love that. Um, one of my favorite questions that I ask everybody, if you were going to switch careers right now with guaranteed success and joy, what would you do? Movie director and producer. Oh, so cool. I'm actually, I am. So I am, I'm staying, I'm keeping soul alchemy. I'm staying in the wellness world and the energetic space, but I am shifting back into that realm as well. Oh my because God. <laughs> That's so cool. That, I didn't even know that. Yeah, that is my, um, that's the one thing I wanted most since I was born, without a doubt. Um, I knew I was supposed to work in the entertainment industry, Mm. behind the scenes as a creative. And um, I'm very passionate about bringing light to that industry as well. Mm. I think it's needed and it's necessary and it's such a massive platform for the light workers to really take hold of, especially now more than ever. Yeah. Yeah, girl. So cool. Thanks for sharing that. That's um, my favorite question too. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. How do you define self-care? Mm, good question. So self-care is definitely the mental and emotional work before anything else. Um, how we treat and we feel about ourselves and what we're projecting. Mm. So a lot of people put that last or it's non-existent to them. And then from there, I am, I'm all about the baths and the face masks and the time to really just veg out. Mm -hmm. Self-care to me also is a Netflix binge it's whatever you need to do to take care of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that can look like whatever you want it to look like. Mm-hmm. I love that. What's one wellness trend that you wish would disappear? Oh, celery juice. Oh, you are not the first person to say that. <laughs> celery juice needs to get the hell out of here. I cannot, I cannot with the... I have so many thoughts. I totally agree. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Do you you have a signature dinner party dish? So if someone calls you up and is like, get over here, what are you going to bring? No, I really, (laughs) I love playing around with food. Food is my, food is my bestie. I, I'm a big foodie. I love food and I love to, this is why I also love working with people on food freedom and body consciousness and body love, because I think it's so important to find celebration and self care through food as well. Well, yeah, but if you're in a time crunch, if you don't want to like intuitively whip up a recipe, what's the first thing that comes to mind? I don't intuitively <laughs> look up recipes. I just like, Oh, what do I want to make? Or, um, it really hard. looks I different love- every time. I love to cook. I love to cook. Well, maybe that's your superpower and it's not mine because I love, I love, I'm a creature of habit and I love expanding on those things, but I absolutely have go-tos where I'm like, okay, I don't have time to like think about this creatively. This will work. (laughs) I think I normally, it's because I don't really share. I'm not in a position where I share food a lot, but I will say um, for the holidays, 
this past year, I invited a couple girlfriends over to have like a Christmaka situation. And I, I made us, I made us all latkes and they've never had latkes before. So that was really special. That is super special. I love that. Um, What's one book or resource that changed your relationship with either food or your body or both? Oh, or your mental health. Kind of. Uh, yeah, I would say two. Can I give two books? Sure. Because I recommend these to everyone. First of all, The Alchemist. Yes. Is was everything. I'm not a big reader, but I couldn't put it down, and it really that was the catalyst catalyst to this path for me too. Mm-hmm. Um and. I love this book so much. It's called Journey of Souls, Life Between Lives by Dr. Michael Newton. And this is a resource that will not only help people understand um, or anyone needing to cope with the idea of death Mm. and really life itself, but it really provides unbelievable clarity as to why you're going through the things that you're going through in your life, why the certain people in your life are there. Mm. And it, it provides insights to the different relationships you have in your life too. It's mind blowing. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. I haven't read that. So I'll, I'll definitely um, make a note to put it on my list. Yeah. Okay. You hinted on this several times, so I'm very curious about your answer to this question. What's the last TV series that you watched or one that you would recommend? Oh no, we're going to be here for so long. (laughs) Okay. Just like the first two or three that come to mind, you can open a couple. First of all, to everyone, Schitt's Creek. Oh, really? That's like- I could not. No. Yes. <laughs> I, I think I watched the first two seasons and then I was like, no, couldn't. But you episodes are I realized little, are I am boring, I am in the minority with that. Um, that's fine. That's yeah. fine. There are shows that I it. could not get on board with. I'm not a sex in the city fan or anything what? like that. Yeah, <laughs> no, hate it. Hate it. Um what do I look flea bag on Amazon oh, I love brilliant? That. Yes. So um, good. Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch on Netflix. Yeah, I haven't watched that. I've heard it's good though. New Girl is one of the best comedies. So good. Friends was always one of my favorite. The oh, right now, The Resident on Fox, I think, is some of the best TV. Cool. Is it a drama yeah. or a comedy? It's it's a medical drama with some lighthearted moments too, but it's some of the best writing in nice. years, and it's oh. very well done. Um, and Billions on Showtime. Yeah, I my husband watches Billions. I haven't myself, but I've heard such good things about it. Phenomenal. So, I'm all about the TV shows. Sorry. Yeah, we are too, actually. We, we love Netflix and chilling, for sure. We'll, t- we'll talk after. We'll have the swap. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, this has just been a super fun talk. So thank you for coming on and just being so open and real and honest and vulnerable and just willing to touch the lives of so many women who are listening into this conversation where can everybody find you if people just feel like they want to say hi or call to work with you in some way or just get to know you and be in your your space where's the best place to reach out instagram for sure it's at soulful alchemy with two m's because i am emmy i'm the emmy in soulful alchemy and my 
virtual door. The DMs are always open, so slide on in. Um, I don't have any sales pages open, so if anyone is interested in finding more about the services that I offer, they can DM me or email me at soulfalchemy at gmail.com. Okay. And uh, yeah, I always answer questions. I give a lot of free content on the gram through IGTV and whatnot. And I do have an amazing resource, a um, couple amazing resources in the link in my bio if anyone wants to browse, cool. browse that. So there's something for everyone at every price point. Great. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I just adore you. Thank you so much. I'll link to all of that in the show notes so that people can reach out and get to know you more, but thank you. Um, thank you so much for having me. Thank, thank you to everyone that's listening. Kaylin, I love you. And this was so fun. All right. Talk soon. Bye. That's our show. Thank you to our producer, Matt Iski, our show manager, Shayla Anderson. If you want to stay connected to the Modern Girl community and learn more about our show guests, click the show notes of this episode. And if this conversation resonated with you, throw a five-star rating and review our way so that we can keep spreading the Modern Girl message with more women. And one last thing, don't forget to hit subscribe so that you can save time and stay on top of the new episode each week. I'm sending you so much love, wisdom, and strength. Talk to you soon.